And like the digital marketer in me, like my, my mind like exploded because, you know, a lot of cyclists, especially mountain bikers who don't have like, they maybe don't have a full team that, you know, they're their own mechanic, they're their own agent, they're, they're their own everything, right? Like, especially like, like the cyclocross racers and, and the track and the track athletes, like, like, you know, how it is like, they're kind of everything, you know, like they don't have like a, like a team to like, to like rely on or a team owner to rely on. So I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's genius, you know? And it was then that I, it kind of dawned on me that with all this experience I have in online and digital marketing, there needed, like I realized that there needed to be a way for me to like boil down, you know, 10, 15 years of internet marketing experience and like teach what I term is lower to moderate income earning athletes, how to be their own digital marketer. You're listening to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast fans, welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Runner's High, the only running specialty store here in Golden. You can check them out on the web at runnershighco.com. They've got a shop here in Golden, Colorado, and they just opened a second location in Morrison, Colorado, right there at the base of Red Rocks Amphitheater. So why do I love the folks at Runner's High? Well, Deb and Ken are an incredible couple. Both have extensive running backgrounds and pedigrees. They have a wealth of knowledge and experience. They are the ones that helped me back in 2015 when I started training for my first Ironman and was getting back into running. They put me on their treadmill there in their store and did a running gait analysis, helped me figure out what I needed for both training shoes as well as race day shoes. And I'll just share that they got me hooked on the Hoka 1-1 for training days and on the Newton lightweight running shoes for race day. And this protocol has worked beautifully for me for the last three years. Uh, it's also my only source of running and training nutrition, both during and after I buy my scratch labs hydration mix at runner's high. And they also just got me hooked on the tailwind nutrition, vanilla recovery mix, which I use after my workouts. So they are fantastic. They will absolutely help you get sorted with your running shoes as well as apparel. And they sell some pretty amazing yoga pants too. They are offering a discount to our listeners. If you mention that you are a Maximum Enthusiasm podcast fan, they'll give you 10% off running shoes and 20% off apparel. You can also just mention the last name Hotman, H-O-T-T-M-A-N, and you will be a friend for life with Runners High in Golden. So again, check them out, runnershighco.com. guys welcome back we are still in the midst of covid as of today's recording april 27th places are starting to lift the stay at home to uh, stay closer to home and depending on the county that we're in some of those stay at home orders and mandates have been extended through may 7th or may 8th but the obvious solution for so many people has been to get outside and recreate. It's been really, really cool to see so many people outside getting their exercise, 
I really hope that everyone stays in this state of mind and continues with their new exploration of the outdoors, even long after these restrictions have been lifted. And uh, just want to say how how truly wonderful I think that aspect of all of this has been. Um, I did a bike ride yesterday, and I've just never seen so many people on the bike trails, and it's it's really wonderful. So. Um, that's the state of mind that I'm in today. And along those lines, today's guest is in the field of cycling and athletics. Today's guest's name is Steve Bitter. And I've never actually met Steve in person, but we've definitely exchanged some communication by social media over the years. And I knew of him when he was working at the USOTC. He talks about his time working with Olympians, and he now runs a consulting business where he helps athletes really leverage their skills and their talent and their um, influence by being brand ambassadors and by obtaining and retaining sponsorship and hopefully paid sponsorships. And in this particular time, when almost every single sporting event has been canceled, even the Olympics have been postponed, it's a really timely topic for the athletes out there who are looking for ways to monetize their image or their platform. and. Um, he has some great suggestions about how to be a fantastic ambassador for the companies and the products that you represent as an athlete, regardless of the sport that you participate in. And along those lines, it's a super timely topic because I just had a situation last week where a member of the cycling team that I sponsor actually got his ambassador requirements and his, um, his image situation a bit sideways and uh, unfortunately led to him being removed from the team as he was actively promoting a competitor of our team apparel company. So I'm going to actually be doing another podcast here shortly where we talk about specific ways that you can really be an effective brand ambassador, influencer, sponsored athlete, call it whatever you want to call it. And it'll dovetail really nicely with the topics that Steve talks about and suggests today. So whether you're a sponsored athlete or you want to be a sponsored athlete or not, I hope that you'll find this really interesting. Certainly for many years, I was a sponsored athlete and then I became a business owner and was in the other side of the table, other side of the conversation where I was now the sponsor of the athletes and of the teams that I was sponsoring. And I can tell you personally firsthand that when you make a decision to not take a vacation, to not do home renovation, to not purchase a new bike, you know, whatever the decision is that that money would have been spent on, and you divert those funds into sponsorship, you make a conscious decision not to spend that money on yourself or on your business or on your family, but on an athlete or on a team it's a serious decision. And that's true regardless of how big or small the company or the brand is that's backing the athlete. And so to try and separate that as a business versus me as a person is really difficult. And that's exactly the situation I was in last week, uh, where I took it very personally, the way that the sponsorship was being handled. So I hope you find this super insightful and helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm super excited to have my guest, Steve Bitter, on the show today. Welcome to Maximum Enthusiasm, Steve. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, it's a, it's my pleasure to host you. I have a bunch of stuff I want to ask you. We're just going to kind of wing it and see where this conversation goes, which is always my favorite way to do this. Um, and I 
uh, know you through online Facebook and cycling circles. And I'm excited to hear a lot more about what you do. Um, but Steve, tell us a little bit about where we find you today. Where are you located? Uh, so right now I am uh, located down here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've uh, been here for about well, almost five years now. Um, came here from Arizona. My wife and I, our family, we were living in Arizona before here and uh, was offered a job here at USA Cycling, uh, which is the national governing body of pro cycling, and just have stayed here. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I am right now. Right on. And I want to get into what you do now and what you did just before that, but can you give us a bit of the landscape of Steve Bitter? I know that obviously athleticism and athletics seem to be a very common theme throughout your professional life. Has it been that way since you were even a young boy? Yeah. I mean, like I've, I've always loved sports, you know, I, on a Saturday morning, I was probably watching sports center more than I was watching cartoons. Um, <laughs> but I've always just loved sports and, and to be honest, as I was going through college and trying to decide on a major, um, I mean, I, I like my family's full of doctors. Like my dad is a doctor. My sister was in, went through nursing and my brother was an EMT. I mean, I, I did not get the medical gene. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I, I kind of resonated with marketing, communications and PR. And uh, to go back on the timeline here a little bit, I, I needed a, a, col- or a, yeah, a college internship. And I had moved back into the L.A. area, which is where I'm from originally, and was like looking for an internship. And a friend of mine uh, had a connection at the Home Depot Center, which is now, well, it was then the Home Depot Center, which is also where the uh, indoor velodrome is. is. I spent a lot of time there, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which is funny because during my time at that internship, I never once stepped foot. That was the only building I never stepped foot in. Oh, how funny. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I got an internship with the LA Galaxy of Major League Soccer and spent the 2005 season with the Galaxy. And I just did media relations for the players, for the, for the team staff. So if Fox Sports, ESPN, if any, if they, you know, LA Times, Orange County, if, if any of the players needed an interview, the media would have to go through us. And so we, we managed the, the player schedules and the player media uh, access and so I did that in 2005, and then I did the same thing for Real Salt Lake the following season in 06, and and then halfway through that season, my uh, I was finishing school and school ended. I graduated and we didn't have any job offers. My wife and I, so we actually moved to Arizona uh, where I had no connections. I never lived there ever before. And, and if you remember, you know, this is 06, 07, 08. This is like the oh, real yeah. digital boom. I mean, not, not just like the recession, but also like the digital boom, right? Like, sure. like, like Facebook went like mainstream, like Twitter was invented, you know, That's Instagram true. came, came by a couple years later. And, and I learned through non-sporting industry jobs, working at a pest control company, working in various agencies, I learned like digital marketing, like hard digital SEO, search engine optimization, paid search advertising. Um, I learned like the full prism of online marketing, like what Google wants, right? Like my ah. life was my life was Google <laughs> for like ten years, <laughs> and wow. and you know I uh, got into riding down there and you know amateur racing and just some of like the local events down there. 
and still always loved sports and had always kind of kept my eye on sport jobs. And what's funny is, you know, the, the dynamic of working in sports is if you're really serious about it, then you also have to be serious about being willing to move, right? That's because, true. because in any given city, like let's say Denver, like you're in like Golden, right? Is that right? Yes. Uh huh. So like here in Denver, like we have the four major sports, right? We have basketball, baseball, football, hockey. Um, and so there's only four sports. And so like the likelihood of getting on one of those staffs for whatever your career, whatever your like industry or profession is, is actually pretty low. That's right? true. And so it's kind of like, okay, I'm in marketing. I want to do sports marketing. There's no positions here in Denver, but there's a position in Milwaukee. So am I willing to move to Milwaukee <laughs> to get into sports? So that's uh-huh. kind of, it's kind of like being like, that's why like news anchors, like unless you're like the, the, the nightly, you know, primetime anchor, you're, you're moving around a lot just because of the job market. And so my wife and I, like we had always agreed that if a really good position in sports came along, like with an NBA team or an NFL team, like we would, we would make that move. Right. Cause that's what I wanted to do. Sure. And it, it never really came along in that traditional sense until middle of what, 2014, the end of 2014, when I was offered a job here in Colorado, like I said earlier here at USA cycling. And I was a cyclist. I loved, I was like addicted to riding at the time. Still am. Um, and I, and the position was for digital and social media manager. And I was, and I was like pumped, right. Cause to go work for a company that just talks about bikes all day long, you sure. know, and then get paid to travel around the country and go to bike races <laughs> and tweet about it and post it on Instagram. <laughs> and they're going to pay me like real American dollars to do that. Like, <laughs> like, Dream Oh man, too. like, are you, are you kidding me? You know? And so I came here, we moved, we picked up and left Arizona, moved here. And I was there all of 2015 and for the, the bike, uh, the cyclist out listening out there uh, that, you know, if you remember, that was the, the year that world championships were in Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, that was an exciting time to, to be a part of that organization and just a lot of stuff going on and a lot of changes uh, within the organization and with membership and with their focus and what they wanted to achieve and, we went through a, a change of CEO at the time and it was just super, super exciting. And then after that, I ended up spending some time doing my own online consulting, like my own digital consulting uh, for about a year and a half. And it was like a, just a wad, like a hodgepodge of clients and industries, nothing real like <laughs> concrete. And then finally got a job at the, at the USOC. Well, then it was the USOC. Now it's the USOPC, uh, but the US Olympic and Paralympic committee, and there I was hired to be on the alumni relations team. So managing alumni engagement, like digital engagement for 6,000 members of Team USA, um, both Olympians and Paralympians. So uh, helped create Team USA's first ever online social network, which is think of it like a, a completely privatized Facebook uh, platform just for Olympians so they can go on That's and connect with each idea. other and, and things like that. And and then whatever else, you know, we supported reunions, anniversaries, different um, organizational events. Um, you know, obviously when the Olympics come around, it's, it's an exciting time to be there. It's really, it's, it's super busy. So sure. I was there, I was there during the 2018 Pyeongchang games in Korea. I didn't go, but just being a part of the organization and like, just, I mean, you, you, that's as close as you can get 
that's without right. being with like without being on the field is like actually working for the organization. So it was super exciting. And then at the end of last year, about six months ago, I started my own uh, athlete branding um, consultancy, like consulting agency. And and the the story I, I share people is, or share with people is uh, at my at the end of my time with USA Cycling about a month or two before I left. I was sitting in a meeting and there were some athletes, like some pretty notable athletes in that meeting. I'm not going to share names, but there was a, a mountain biker that came up to me and I, I knew him, like I knew him all of that year and he knew who I was. And he came up to me afterwards. He's like, Hey, you know, I know that you do the social and all the articles for the website, you know, and I'm getting ready to, uh, you know, meet up or talk to my sponsors about next year. And, hopefully talk to a couple of new sponsors. Uh, so, you know, I know you do all that stuff. You know, if I message you, can you just send me like a quick report of, of all the times that you mentioned to me and what, what like the kind of the basic metrics are uh, for my mention. So I can kind of include that in my portfolio and like the digital marketer in me, like my, my mind like exploded because, you know, a lot of cyclists, especially mountain bikers who don't have like, they maybe don't have a full team that, you know, they're their own mechanic. They're their own right. agent. They're, they're their right. own everything. Right. Like, especially like, like the cyclocross racers and, and, oh, the, yeah. tra- and the track athletes, like, like, you know how it is like, oh, yeah. they're kind of everything, you know, like they don't have like a, like a team to like, no. to like rely on or a team order to rely on. So I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's genius, you know? And it was then that I, it kind of dawned on me that with all this experience I have in, online and digital marketing there needed like i realized that there needed to be a way for me to like boil down you know 10 15 years of internet marketing experience and like teach what i term is lower to moderate income earning athletes how to be their own digital marketer um and and the way i look at it is like look i I know you don't have an agent right (laughs) like i know that for a fact I know you can't pay an agency. I know you're living at home with mom. I know you're living with your boyfriend or with a girlfriend. Um, so if there's a way for me to like teach, like crash course, teach you how to be a digital marketer for yourself and how to see the world through the eyes of your sponsors, it puts you in a much better position to get sponsors, right? And to satisfy the demands of what, of what, your, of what your current sponsors want. And so for the past uh, four or five months, that's kind of been my full-time focus is helping, helping these lower income earning athletes kind of like do it their self. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, uh, brings us up to speed. <laughs> I love it. I thank you for that. Cause it's really helpful to kind of have the background and I want to actually work in reverse and, um, talk about the most recent thing first and then we'll work backwards because mm-hmm. I definitely want to ask you about the USOTC, the Olympics, the um, USA Cycling Hosting Worlds. For sure, those are topics I want to get into. But I just want to point out this sort of beautiful convergence that you reference in that story that you share. And it seems to be a really common theme among the folks that I end up interviewing for this show who are doing something that they never thought they'd be doing. Uh, and yet it seems to have been this beautiful intersection of experiences and skills. And, you know, of course, looking backwards with hindsight, you can see all the breadcrumbs that have been dropped along the way for you to get exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure along the way, things didn't always make sense. And you weren't quite sure 
why or how, and nevertheless, here you are. And it's this perfect convergence of the athlete and athletic, you know, fan in you, plus your own athleticism, plus your own experience and your own sounds like passions. It sounds to me like you really enjoy the digital marketing and media space. And now you get to help athletes do that for themselves. So that's, that's pretty cool. I want to yeah. Yeah, yeah. you on that. Yeah. And you know, like, and even back in 2005, like working with the galaxy, I was telling somebody this the other day, like, you know, the, the galaxy at the time had the highest paid player in the league and they were making $1 million even. Right. And that was like breaking the bank, like, you know, <laughs> and there were a couple of play, you know, a handful of players like in the mid 500, 600s, you know, a couple more like in the two and threes. But like the majority of like professional soccer players playing like elite level soccer and then actually maybe playing for like the national team, they're making like less than forty thousand dollars a year on sure. their contract. And a lot of players back then, uh, about a third of each team or so was like these like development contracts is what they call them. And the development contract in 05, it's a lot higher now, but back then it was $16,000. Holy cow. And so th- these players would literally play a game Saturday night and then gear up to play in playoffs the next week. They'd go to training. And then in the afternoon, they'd literally go to Abercrombie and Fitch to like work, you know, sense. like go to the Maybe mall, go, go work at like some sporting goods store somewhere. Cause, and they're all living like six people in a house just cause you know, it's, it's LA. Like they got to find a place to live, you know? Sure. And so it was funny cause you mentioned like these breadcrumbs, right? Like it, it dawned on me after a while, like, you know, I've never, I, you know, obviously it was obvious. Like I never worked at an NBA team. I never worked at, at an, at an NFL team with guys making, you know, $10 million contracts. Like I've always only ever been around athletes who were scraping to get by, right? Whether it was in soccer, whether it was cyclists, whether it was uh, like Olympic athletes, uh, bobsledders, losers, rowers, you know? Um, So that those are the athletes that I, I think I have come to like admire and like resonate the most with. Sure. There's a scrappiness there. That's something that's um, really easy to appreciate in a person. And it's so evident when you're around them that they're doing it purely for love of the sport. And, um, you know, it's, it's clearly not about the money because there isn't money there. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. And and can relate to that having tried to make a go of it in professional cycling and very much needing to have a full-time job to pay for my (laughs) cycling aspirations. So, um, yeah, it was not even close to being a break-even proposition. I had to actually have a job to perform, you know, perform in the sport. But um, where I'd like to start is with respect to this consulting agency that you mentioned that you launched. The website is stevebitterbranding.com. And your website does a great job explaining what these services are that you provide to this athlete group that you've mentioned. And what I want to point out about the timing of this interview is that it's April 2nd, 2020. So we're two to three weeks into the coronavirus uh, situation (laughs) as a country And of course, you know, athleticism has been canceled more or less, you know, March Madness was canceled. Um, Every single group or arena or large gathering type of event around sport is canceled. The Olympics have been postponed. Um, I mean, we can't even begin to imagine the repercussions of this on professional athletes from 
the multi-million dollar contract holders all the way down to the athlete that has zero sponsorship dollars other than to say it's incredibly significant. Um, However, when you and I connected about this podcast, what struck me as it being a very brilliant opportunity to work with you is that this is probably an opportunity with respect to time and energy that most athletes don't usually have. And they are typically so busy preparing for their races, preparing for the season, training, even in the off season, being super busy, that constant hustle for sponsorship, looking for team contracts, what have you. It's probably not often that an athlete has the space and time to think about their own brand, like that mountain biker who approached you was giving thought to. So what are some things that you can see where, um, because athletes basically have all of a sudden an extended off season, you know, what are some things they could be doing with you right now in the space to really develop and, and help their brand evolve so that they become more marketable? Yeah. So like you said, I mean, we all, especially athletes, like we all have this like enormous amount of time, you know, and, and, you know, we're all cooped up and I know athletes are too. And I know a lot of them are. And it's funny, I was joking with somebody the other day, like you go on Instagram right now and like, like when I go on Instagram right now, there's like 10 Instagram live video videos going at one time <laughs> just because people yes. are like, Hey, yes. you want to have on a video? Like, let's do it. Like, yes. Like, it's like, what, what should we do? Like I'm bored, you know? So, and you know, some people are like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to like redo my bathroom and I'm going to do this and I'm going to pick up a hobby or I'm going to, you know, finish this that I've always been wanting to do, you know, but I say, you know, and, and some are still able to train. Some are training on their own. Some, you know, are have coordinated training with their teams and in, in certain ways, uh, but as far as branding goes, I mean, it, yeah, like use the time because as an athlete, you want to, I mean, really you, you want to be branding yourself 12 months out of the year. Like when it comes to branding as an athlete, like I say, there is no off season, right? That's right. Um, and it's true that during like the heart of competition season or gearing up to world championships or Olympic trial, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, like it, you know, their focuses kind of come and go, and maybe you're more focused on one thing at one point. So, and that's fine. But at the same time, like you're sponsored at, if you have sponsorships, and I truly believe if you, if like if, if you're an elite level athlete, or even if you're like an amateur athlete, like you deal in sponsorships. You, that's you right. just do, whether it's indirectly or directly. You may have your own sponsorships. But if you don't, then maybe your team has sponsorships, right? Or maybe like the national governing body that you that you compete for has sponsor. I mean, they for sure have sponsorships. So you have sponsorships somewhere that you can uh, think about and relate to and represent, whether it's direct or indirect. And because the and they think in terms of twelve months, so you have to think in terms of twelve months too. Um, that's right you know it's the business you know, they, of being an athlete yeah like it's a business and it doesn't stop and like i said you know priority and focus may come and go but but you are their sponsored athlete for 12 or 12 months out of the year i mean until until that contract ends you are their athlete and part of being that and part of making the most of it is just knowing your brand is just knowing your story because I've asked athletes, you know, I, I almost get a kick out of it. You know, if you ask an athlete, you know, what's your brand or, you know, what's your story or what, you know, kind of what makes you unique? Sometimes you get these blank stares. I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. And, 
And and it's not because they don't have one. I mean, it's it's no. in their head. It's in their head. They know exactly what they're about. They know what their values are. They know what they what their interests are. They you yeah. know they know they have it all. But like getting it out of your mouth, like getting it out in the real world, is a different story. And, Absolutely. And and the ones who have the best. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Like the ones who have the best sponsors. And I mean, I see it in people post retirement, right? Like post competitive retire like post competitive life still have sponsors. Yeah. And they haven't they haven't competed. Yeah, because of who they are and their ability to tell their story, right? And to articulate what it is they're about. And so it's you know, an athlete's ability to have sponsorships, relationships is almost directly tied. It is directly tied to their ability to tell their story. And so one of the first things I do with uh with an athlete is you know, I, I always assume that we're starting from scratch, right? And some are like further down the pipe than others, but I always start from scratch. And so the first thing I do is I, I supply them. It's like a 15 question survey. It's like a questionnaire and it, it, hell, it forces them to explore who they are on paper, right? Cause I want to get what's in their head out of their head. So what are your interests? What are your hobbies? What are your passions? Um, you know, how do you think the world sees you? What do you, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, you know, one of my favorite questions is I say, Hey, you know, find out, approach someone who loves you like unconditionally, boyfriend, wife, mom, dad, whoever, and ask them to give you just the brutal truth on how the world sees you. Right. And it's not bad, but sometimes someone needs to be able, you just have to be able to understand and hear it from somebody else who can say to you, look, like I love you, but sometimes people see you like this because of these reasons. Right. Sure. Like I said, it's not, it's not bad, but you, you just have to understand the way the world sees you. Sure. That's um, called the blind spot. Yeah. That's, right. that's great to you get know? that feedback from others. And, and then fill in those gaps. Like, are you okay with that? You know, do you want to lean into that a little more? Or do you want to change it? And, and if it's not what you want, what do you want? What do you want the world to, to see you for? And what, you know, what parts of you do you want the world to see? And so, and so it's, it takes a lot of self-exploration. It's not just, uh, you know, when, when I supply them that questionnaire, I, I, I give them like a week to, to like mull over it and to like work on it. Sure. Um, but part of, and especially now since we're all down and trying to kind of stay busy, um, you know, it's something that any athlete can do that is an investment back into themselves, right? Absolutely. For the sake of their sponsors, for the sake of future sponsors, right? You may be young in your career and you may want to be doing what you're doing for the next eight to 10 years. And so the faster you're able to articulate yourself and identify and define and share your brand, uh, then the, 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 the faster, like that's, it's, it's a major step forward. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a step closer to, to finding like legitimate sponsors. And I can speak to this from personal experience and I'm just, I'm loving where this conversation is going and I'm, I've got some light bulbs popping over here. So forgive me for a moment, um, yeah, but have at it. It, it, it occurs to me as you're talking, I, I had the benefit of being first the athlete who was constantly seeking and begging for sponsorship, thinking that what they wanted to see of me was being up on the podium in first place and thinking that what they wanted from me was a list of my results. And then retiring from cycling in a, a high level and becoming a business owner who then sponsored an elite women's team and then became the primary team sponsor for years thereafter, 
realizing that what I really wanted of my athletes was to demonstrate composure and proper grammar and gratitude (laughs) and professionalism and, um, you know, following the laws when they're wearing my logos and being out in the community, just being an ambassador of, you know, cycling in general and of my brand in particular. And since that revelation, going back to the people that I used to race for and represent and saying to them, basically, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, I'm so sorry that I was the athlete who was, you know, always trying to negotiate a better deal or telling you how great I thought I was because of my <laughs> results. And these people showed me an immense amount of grace. And yes, I was young and perhaps immature, but at the same time, uh, they've been really great to me and have said, you know, basically, yeah, that's exactly right. We didn't frankly care about your results. We cared about who you were on and off the bike. We cared that you were out representing us in the world in a really nice way. And I'm curious, has that been your kind of take away from the sponsorship, you know, board game in general is that it's, yeah, results matter and performance matters, but it's actually so much more than that. Yeah, totally. And in fact, one of the things that I try to just drill, and I mean drill deep into the minds of of any of the athletes that I try to help is you know, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, like, like, yeah, like your sponsor cares if you're a good person, right? Like they don't want you to be a goofball, but you screw up. Like they care, you know, like there's some intrinsic, you know, value on who you are. Um, but your brands and your sponsors, like they're businesses. And so there's some like laws of business that just don't change. And in the world of marketing, um, you know, I say the the laws of marketing haven't changed since the day marketing was invented, you know, over a hundred years ago, or I don't even know how, maybe further than that. I don't even know. But I always say, aside from like those things, I try to say like, look, your sponsors primarily, like not, not like, like exclusively, but primarily care about two things the most, right? The first thing that they care about is eyeballs. Right, they want to be in front of the most number of people possible, preferably the most number of new people possible. Right, like, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you make water bottles. It doesn't matter if you're an insurance person. It doesn't matter if you're a, a bike lawyer. It doesn't matter if you're a. That's right. Uh, you know, if you make chairs, <laughs> like rocking chairs, like right. it doesn't matter. You, you, you need to be in front of the most number of people possible. The other thing that they care about is. ROI is a return on their investment. Um, you know, they need to know that whatever it is they're spending their money on, they're, they're getting their value out of it. Whether it's, you know, how much does it cost to make a website? How much does it cost to, you know, we spent this X number of dollars on that commercial. Was it worth it? Right. In the world of marketing and business, it's, it's all just like a money math equation. Sure. So I try to, dr- I try to drill that into these athletes heads that, like you have to understand that equation because, and just focus on those two things. Right. Um, yeah, this is know, not an exercise in benevolence. There needs no, to be some business no. bottom line impact. Right. You know, like, you know, and, and I've seen, you know, like, like they're not sponsoring you, you know, they're sponsoring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because they think you're a good person, but like there's some business reasons behind it, you know? And, can you provide them eyeballs? Can you provide them an audience? That, that's what they want. They want new audiences and they want new communities to engage with. Um, 
to to talk about what it whatever it is they do or whatever it is they're selling. And then, you know, there's the ROI, which it could be product, right? I mean, I know a lot of athletes, you know, they just get paid in product. They get paid like two bags of coffee a month, you know, or, That's right. That's or, right. or like $500 a year or, Hey, here's, here's a, here's a, like, here's a Norma tech thing. Like, can when you yep. use it, can you, can you share it? Can you <laughs> take a picture of it and share it on social? Like, Oh, sure. You know? So like they're paying you in something. Right. Uh, and if there's a relationship there, you need to provide value. And even to, to keep kind of going with this like business end of it, like breaking even is still bad business. That's right. right? Like, <laughs> That's like, right. like breaking even, like if you're a business owner, you don't want to break even, you have to come out on top. And so if you, if you simply do what they're asking, Hey, can you post this on, on your social media for us this month? Oh, okay. I'll do that. Or, Hey, can you, um, you know, can you share this picture for us? you know, simply doing what they ask, like think of that as breaking even, right? You're doing exactly what they want and you're getting exactly whatever it is they're giving you, right? That's breaking even. So I try to tell my athletes, you have to find ways to provide more value than, than for whatever it is they're giving you, right? You just, you just have to take that upon yourself, go the extra mile, take the extra step, go out of your way to provide more value. And the digital marketer side in me has has tried tries to explain to them, look, you know, you 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 might be dealing in as an athlete, and you know, you might be dealing within the social space, right? Hey, can you can you tweet about this? Can you share this on your Instagram? Can you share this on your Facebook page? You know, and, and you do that, and it from that point, I, subconsciously, it just comes down to likes and shares and comments, and it's like, okay, like I've done my job. But if you really are serious about delivering value, then from a digital marketing perspective, you need to understand that there's like a dozen other metrics out there that you could help, right? Um, You may take it upon yourself to try to drive visits to a website, you know, or or a specific web page within their website. Maybe they have a YouTube channel full of videos and you try to pump views Um, you know, you might, for the sake of analytics, you might pick videos that are a little bit older, right? Like five or six months old. And that probably aren't getting very many views. You jot down the number of views that there are, you do whatever you can. Hey, check out this video. Hey, you should, you know, take four minutes to check out this video that that they put up. It's super cool. You know, whatever it is, however it is you, you pump it. Right. And then you wait a few days and maybe you got another thousand views to that video. You know, like, but like, that's something you did, That's you right. know, or maybe it's downloads. Maybe, maybe that company or that brand has like a free guide or a free download or a free white paper or, a, you know, or whatever. Maybe it's just helping them get email, email capture, um, helping them up their subscription list a little bit. And so it's like quantifiable metric stuff that you can measure that you can you can like literally put in your portfolio and say, I like, I did that for you this year, you know, or if it's with a yeah. different sponsor, Hey, this is what I did this year alone for, for these guys. You know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm capable of, you know, because if I'm giving you, uh, you know, let, let's say I'm, let's say I'm a, let's say I'm a sponsor and I'm giving you product, right. However much, whatever value that is per month. Right. And you take it upon yourself and you can show me, 
that aside from just taking my product and and throwing it up on social media, you you used your twelve thousand followers on this platform and your ten thousand followers on this other platform, and you actually drove visits to my website. Like that when when contract and sponsorship talks open again, that, that's a whole different conversation. You know, that is an entirely different conversation because now it's like tangible metrics that you're able to speak to that you can point to and say, I, I, I did that for you. Absolutely. You know, and so, and so as a business owner, I'd be like, you know what, <laughs> if so, they're going to get, if they're going to get me 5,000 hits to my website every few months, like that's significant. I'm, I'm a lot more willing to pay money, like actual dollars for that, you know? So, that's right. Um, so it, yeah. And what's interesting about what you're saying is nothing that you've just talked about had anything to do with the athlete's performance results. No, no. (laughs) It all has to do with being an ambassador of the brand or the product. Yeah. You know, I, I have, I I could rattle off without name. I, you know, how many athletes do I know that have Olympic gold medals, right? Have world championship podium medals, um, Pan Am results, you know, whatever it is, they're, five-time national champions in this event and three-time national championships in that discipline and whatever. And they, they just, they don't have sponsors or they have very minimal sponsors, you know, and I know a, a separate folder of athletes that some of them have may have never even sniffed a podium, like never even sniffed like a world championships roster. But and they have, who they are. right. And they have and legit, they yeah. And they have legit sponsors, like a le- like a legitimate sponsorship deals in place because they're able to articulate themselves. I believe all of that and I see it play out and I've seen it where the athletes who have a sense of entitlement because they stood on the podium, blow it with sponsorship opportunities. And meanwhile, the ones that just keep hustling and working hard to represent and market their brands. And as you said, articulate themselves and their positions well end up coming out on top. And as you alluded to earlier, oftentimes when these athletes have retired, they still maintain these amazing sponsorship deals because the brands continue to back them as the human. Um, So I think that's a really powerful takeaway. I'm thrilled that there's someone like you that's providing this advice because I see so many athletes in the cycling space specifically, uh, frankly, kind of screw this up and their sponsorship, uh, time span is very short lived as a result because I see them kind of missing the bigger picture and they're just so focused on the performance and the results. And frankly, I think ego gets in the way a little bit that they forget that they are being paid to represent these companies and these brands. And, um, so let's talk a little bit about then the athletes who are, um, you know, transitioning out of sport and maybe even because of right now with COVID and everything, maybe a few that were thinking they might try to get through one more season have decided that it's time to retire from their respective sport. What are some of the ways that either the sport itself or you as a professional are helping athletes move into that next chapter post post competition? Uh, I mean, it, it- so it, some of it depends on what it is that they want to do. I mean, some of them have their eyes set, you know, I'm going to go into real estate, right? Or I'm going to go back to law school or I'm going to, you know, renew my nursing license and go be a nurse. And, but I mean, in reality, it, it all is, it's all one continuous story, you know, and people resonate with stories the most in marketing, That's right. especially, especially this day and age. So, you know, you may have decided, you know what, it's time, it's time for me to move on. 
you know, focus on something else in my life or whatever it is, you know, that's just a part of your story. And what I, what I try to, what I like, I actually like telling athletes this, whether you are still competing or whether you are either recently retired or even long time retired. I mean, I, I know Olympians that are <laughs> from 1976 and 1972, you know, and, but when they, just by the fact that you can say, you know, I'm an Olympian from that, right. you know, from that era, or, you know, yeah, I used to race professionally or I used to swim professionally. It doesn't matter how long ago, like when you, when you share that, dude, pe- people perk up. It, it doesn't sure matter. Do. Oh they man. Sure like, like, like professional sports is, always something that will catch people's interest it doesn't matter where you are in your like competitive life cycle um it'll always it'll always catch people's interest it'll always catch people's eyes and so i i I say always lean into that like always always lean into that always own it you know and it's probably a bit easier too when you still are competing but but the fact that maybe you aren't competing anymore, you're thinking, hey, you know, what's what's my next move? What's my next step? Am I going to go back to school? What kind of job do I want to get? I mean, that that's just like the next chapter in the book, right? That's just the next part of the story. And um, what was it? I saw someone tweet out the other day that it's kind of going off on a tangent no, that no, uh, that Tyler um, Tyler Ferrer uh-huh. used to ride, right? Like sprinter, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, rode with the Garmin team, rode with, with yeah. the Quebec team. I mean, he, he, in fact, he rode in those. He raced for Team USA in in that in that Richmond World Championships, and he was off the front there in like the last couple miles. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that he became a fireman. Oh, that's and, fantastic! Yeah, and I like didn't even know that, you know. But like, dude, that's that's awesome. Like, <laughs> that's so rad, you know, and. Like, and there is always like, that next like, chapter because that sport yeah, doesn't ever last yeah. for a lifetime. Yeah, it's coming. Like, it's coming yes. as, as we all know. Like, oh, it, the next cool. chapter will come. And so I, it like made me like happy. Like, and, and I, you know, I think people have kind of lost track of him, but, um, but like, how rad of a story is that? Yes. You know, like, right. I raced in the Tour de France. I won a stage on the 4th of July of all days, like, as an American. And now I'm a firefighter. Like that's a that's rad so story. Cool. That's a rad story. Super and, compelling. Yeah, and that, like, and that's exactly what you just said. It's compelling. And so, and for some people, like the chapter after competition could be just as compelling, maybe even more compelling than the chapter you wrote as a competitive, you know, athlete. Um, you know, I Olympians that are. Like I said, in their 40s and 50s, and and they're known for what they've done more so in the business world than whatever it is they did in in the Olympic space. Um, so it's it, it's just it's people's ability to just share their story um, that I think resonates the most with people. So again, the better storyteller you can be, um, the the easier all of this is. And I mean, if you're I, mean, I don't know the 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 rules of being a firefighter. I don't know, but, you know, but like most jobs, I'm pretty conf- confident in saying if you go into real estate, if you go into you know whatever industry you go into, there's probably not going to be any rules against being a, a sponsored sponsored, sponsored nope. right? I mean, you may not be an athlete. Nope. Like if you're not playing sports, then now it's just influencer marketing. That's right. right. Like like there's yeah. 
right. whatever your job is, there's no rules against that. So why not? You know, That's especially right. if, if it's available and, and you're good at it. I mean, do it. I think that all really lends itself to the bigger picture too, which is that, you know, what we learn in sport doesn't just end with the sport. It transcends and translates into really positive traits that future employers are interested in, whether it's the ability to work well as a teammate, whether it's the willingness to work really, really hard, whether it's, I'm a good, um, instruct, I'm coachable. I follow instruction. Well, you know, I'm teachable, I'm leadable. Uh, I, um, you know, like I can suffer really hard and put my head down and do the work. I am good at discipline. I'm good at structure. You know, those, those types of attributes and traits all lend themselves really great to being an employee or being an entrepreneur, frankly. And yet I still see this gap between the end of sport and the beginning of the next chapter where I see so many athletes struggle. And I wonder if it's because, as you mentioned with Tyler's story, they kind of do drop out of sight, out of mind. And I wonder how hard that is on the athlete to suddenly be just another regular human out trying to get a job instead of this exceptional athlete. Have you seen some of that struggle? Oh, yeah, for sure. And in fact, right now, I mean, I know for a fact, I'm I'm pretty careful about what it is I say regarding sure, the yes. PC. Just I'm, you know, I'm a former employee and I don't speak for them and whatnot. But but I I know for a fact, uh, transition services and like mental health um, are sure. huge priorities to them right now. And it's for that exact exactly what you just said. You know, there's this fall off. Yeah. Of what do I do now? Who am I? you know, what am I doing with, with the rest of my life? And it's tough because like you just said, like, you know, once you're not competing, um, it's like, it is tougher to get recognized. I mean, unless, and I'll be honest, I, I try to be like as brutally honest with, with athletes as I can be just because a lot of times that's how their coaches are and they like it. So I just try to follow suit, but like, but like, unless your name is LeBron James, you know, like that, like he'll be relevant after retirement. Right. Or like Michael Phelps, unless your name is Michael Phelps, you know, you like, there's going to be a drop off, you know, and even for Michael Phelps, there was a drop off and he's Michael Phelps, you know? And, and so the, and so, yeah, it's a huge thing. And I've, I've actually been talking a lot to some outside organizations, some nonprofits that really focus on, on, on transition services and, and whatnot. But it, it's, t- it's very tough because especially when from us and tying back into sponsorships, right? Like, like for like in, in terms of, of the Olympic team, um, whether it's Nike, Toyota, um, Bridgestone, what happens is they go, they, there's someone, and I, I used to sit, I, my desk was literally right next to his, right? They talk to him at, at the organization and they say, hey, so-and-so, we have budget to, to sponsor six people this year, like this year going into an Olympic Games, right? And it's kind of up to him to pinpoint who he recommends to Philip 60 or who he recommends to Bridgestone, who he recommends to Toyota. Um, Very rare. Is it when that company says we want that person, it, it filters, it filters through that guy. And so, and so it's nothing 
sometimes it's nothing that that athlete particularly did other than the fact that they're just great on social media. Um, you know, they, they tell a great story and whatever, but then that sponsorship goes away. And when they stop competing, there's no one else like that doesn't happen for them anymore. That's right. You know, and they never learned how to like do it themselves. And it's tough because, and, and I saw it working with the alumni just this past Olympics uh, or in, in Pyeongchang in 2018, when there were events going on around the country and our alumni <laughs> would find out that, you know, this person, uh, you know, or this person was contracted for, to make an appearance, you know, they were paid X number thousand dollars to show up and show up at this event for like that night or that day. And they'd get a little miffed at like, well, like, why wasn't I considered? Like, I'm from that hometown. Like, you, you flew that person halfway across the country. Like, I'm, I'm from that city. Like, shouldn't it be me? And I'm like, look, like, <laughs> I don't know it's how to tell you this. Uh, yeah, it's not how it works. It's just not, you know? And, and, and frankly, that's not how the real world works either. <laughs> right. And it, it's kind of <laughs> like, it's a hard conversation to have. But it's the truth. Like, look, like you haven't competed for 12 years. <laughs> like this person is in the middle of their athletic career. Like there's business reasons why they, that, that company saw it, you know, better for them to f put that person on a plane and fly them across the country rather than just pick someone who's local, you know? And so it, it's hard conversations to have, but like you said, it's the reality of the world. Um, you know, this, you know, I, I tell my athletes, like, look, uh, happy sponsors make the world go round. And that, that's, that's the simple truth. Um, sponsors make all this possible, right? Like, like, like the real money is in broadcasting rights. Um, that's where, that's where sport money comes. It's not, in, it's not in ticket sales. It's not right. in, it's not, it, you know, sponsorship dollars. It's not even really in sponsorship dollars. It comes in broadcasting rights. That's where real sport money is. And they do that because they know that certain sporting events get a certain number of viewers. And so they're able to justify spending money for it. And so it goes back to those two points, like what's their ROI and how are they going to get their ROI? How are they going to get value for their money? And it might be going with this athlete instead of that athlete. And, and it, for sure, like, yeah, with, when you're out of competition, it, it, it gets really hard and it even gets hard for some of the, some of the bigger names, like I mentioned. Right. So where I'd like to go from here is speaking in, in general terms, we don't want to identify anyone, but can you think of a, a case study, if you will, of an athlete who went from not really having a strong brand, not really having a clear understanding of what they could offer to the products and companies that they represented to working with you, getting really clear on what they stand for, their mission, vision, values, and watching how that has then evolved into a really strong presence and also stronger sponsorship. Like, do you have someone in mind that has gone through that metamorphosis? Um, to be on, like, to be totally honest, I, I don't think I have anything that mature. Um, gotcha. Just it's still in the I haven't works. Been, 
yeah, I, it, yeah, it's still very much in the works. I can sure. see it. Like if you were to ask me that question a year from now, I can I, see it coming. I, I, yeah, I can see it coming. Cool. Um, but well, that's exciting. Yeah, but I guess to still kind of like get something out of that question, um, you know, all it takes is an, is an interest, and it takes some. It doesn't take like it taking over your life to do that. You know, it, it does take some level of dedication, um, which which should resonate well with most elite level athletes because you know you understand what it takes to compete at a high level. So, um, you know, my thing on social media and gaining an audience or increasing your following is consistency, consistency, consistency. That's all it is. And, and so when you, you know, if you open up your own social account, I mean, if you're really serious about it, you know, open up your own Instagram account, look at it. And it might surprise you how frequent or infrequent you're posting, you know, look over your last five or six, 10 posts. And they might be like 10 days apart each. They might be three weeks apart. Um, In, in this sponsorship world that that's not going to cut it. You what know, what is a more um, what is a more appealable appealing and attractive? Uh, is it almost is it daily? Is really that's where it's at? Yeah, yeah. I I think this day and age because because there's such a barrage of information that we're encountered with on an hourly basis. Yeah. Um. It it, it just has to be really really frequent, and it also depends on the platform, right? Because you know if I post on if I post on Twitter, you know, Twitter is like free for all. And I think people understand and, and give the liberty that to let people just fire at will. Right. Yes. And people could, to- could, people could tweet till their fingers fall off and no one, and, pe- and people are like, eh, like they don't even think about it. They're just that's like, Oh the yeah. Platform. That, yeah. Like that's what it's for. But don't you dare if, do that on Instagram. <laughs> oh dude, if you did that on Instagram or Facebook, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, shut Unfriend. up. Unfriend, like, unfriend. Shut up. Yes. You're so yes. annoying. But if they do it on Twitter, you're like, oh, this is a great conversation. Like, Isn't that funny? You know? So you do have to know the rules of engagement. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just have to know who, you know, who you're and it might be the same audience, but it's just the dynamics of the platform. And right. and the the one thing I, I I think I touched on it earlier, but the one thing I, I kind of um set my athletes up for is I always ask them, okay, what aside from your sport what are the things that you know the most about like what what are the topics that you think you are an expert on right and one of them is your sport if you're a world champion if you're an olympic athlete or if you're on the last two world championship rosters by default you are an expert in that sport right sure um but are there other are there other couple things that you could really speak to on an expert level right and, and of there course may the answer be, is always yes, because they always have right. side passions or hobbies. Yeah. And, and I, I think of it as like, like, is this something you can really speak to? You know, like, okay. like I, like, like, like I know an athlete who, and you might even know who he is if I start talking about him, but he's, he's really into painting, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's yep. painting all the time. You can definitely <laughs> you know? speak to that. Yep. But like, if you ask him, if you ask him, like he can tell you the bristle count of different brushes. He can ah. tell you the, the thread count of, of the different canvases, 
how much like he deal, you know, gotcha. a lot of the, an oil painting, water painting, like what the mixture is, what the technique is, like really, really speak to it. He's not a professional painter, right? Gotcha. But he has an insane Lots knowledge of, of that kind of stuff. So I, I say, look, those are your primary conversations. Okay. Those are like the few things that you can, like people would go to you to get answers and people are going to assume that you have the answers, right? Everything else is what I call your secondary topics. And that's everything else in life that you're interested in. So that, that list could be like 50 things long, right? Sure. I love, I love baking. I love mystery novels. I love uh, horror movies. I love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gardening. I love uh, my dogs. You know, it's other topics that are of interest to you that you could talk forever about, but you have to understand that you're not the expert, right? You don't know everything about that industry you don't know like the laws regarding that that topic you don't you know it's just stuff that you that you like to talk about and so um so i say like everything you do like going back to frequency everything you do has to be the majority of your conversations are going to be either your primary topics or your secondary topics and i just divide them that way so that you understand here's what i know the most about Here's what I like and I know some about, right? Um, and I say, and I don't even have like a ratio. I don't have like like a 90-10 or an 80-20. I just say, look, the majority of what you talk about, whether it's on social, Twitter, whatever it is, needs to be based in those topics. Um, because that's how you get an audience. That's how you find new communities. Um, you know, I, I, don't know what, right. I, I don't know how well he does it. But without looking myself, I know for a fact that there is a very large painting artistic community out there, right? There's, there's a, by, dude, it's 2020. By now, there's a, there's a, there's an online community for everything. Yes. <laughs> right? So whether you're into fly fishing, whether you're into painting, whether you're into this or that, like there is an online community out there. And so it helps you, it helps you identify how to be recognized and how to be involved in those communities and in those discussions. Because like I said before, if people understand that, Oh yeah, you're a pro, you're a pro athlete and you're also really interested in painting or you're also really interested in this, like people in those communities, like again, they'll perk up, right. They'll notice, Oh my gosh, this person like represented team USA at the last pan, you know, at the last world championships, or this person is a, you know, three-time national championship and they really love gardening and I love gardening, right? Like that's how you, that's how you get new audiences. And so as far as frequency, I mean, like the frequency is always, <laughs> you know, like in, right. in my book, that, that would be my recommendation. Sure. And I like what you're saying about just being a multifaceted athlete or ambassador or influencer. Um, it's cool to be a one trick pony in that you've got this amazing mastery of a certain skill or sport or this amazing expertise, but people also identify with multifacets because it shows the humanity in you. And it's really hard to relate to an Olympic athlete or to a professional athlete if you've never played a sport at that level. But when they suddenly show you getting their hands dirty in the dirt while they're gardening, now they become relatable. And in my opinion, that makes them much more effective as an, a representative of a company. Yeah. I, I say, look, it's no different than you finding a way to strike up a conversation with someone next to you in line, right? 
you may right. not mention, hey, like, hey, good to meet you. I'm a pro athlete. You're probably not going to say that. No. But you might be like, oh my gosh, like I I love your shoes. I I I I have those shoes too. Like like you find something in common, right? That's the easiest way to start up a conversation, whether it's with someone face to face, whether you're talking on the phone, whether you're talking over Twitter or Instagram, it's finding something in common. And so I encourage you, look, you you need to identify all of those things. Again, they're in your head, but let's get them on paper. And like if you're not into something, like I I wouldn't expect you to try to talk about it with any level no. of interest right you no. know so that's why we say like stick to the things that you like to talk about right because then it's going to be enjoyable right that's like right. you know there's things that i i i don't care about and i don't i don't really talk to you know like there's there's the stuff that i'm just like whatever um i have no interest in having a conversation about that just not that it's bad i just i don't have any interest in it um so yeah it just it's, it's the same thing as talking to someone next to you is you know first thing you always do is you find common ground and then, and then you go from there. Totally. Well, and the, the saying that's coming up for me right now that I, I have had to learn kind of the hard way myself is that perfection is not relatable. And so if you only ever see an athlete at the top of their game with perfect training, perfect physique, perfect performance, yeah, that's great. And we can respect them and we can put them up on this pedestal and they're an Olympic athlete, but there's someone that I could never relate to. I wouldn't know the first thing that we could even talk about at a dinner party together but when you show the human side, to me, that's what's the really compelling part of an athlete being an ambassador or being an influencer. And certainly those are the accounts and the types of people and the, uh, the things that I tend to follow online because I, I find that far more inspiring. And so I, I wonder what advice you give some of your athletes about being candid about some of their setbacks, some of their struggles, some of their bad days. Like, Do you encourage them time from now and then to maybe share a not perfect day? in their in their shoes yeah totally and the answer is yes um and it's i mean and and it's kind of a finesse game it's kind of a fine line and i understand like again I'm, I'm, i've been around enough athletes to understand in their own minds it's a fine line right because mm-hmm. it's it's tough mentally and emotionally it can be tough challenging to like go to training that day and do these intervals or do these, you know, do this routine and get perfection out of it or go to compete and know that a podium or not a podium is, you know, could come down to two tenths, two hundredths of a second. That's right. And so you work in these, these really, really small margins of perfection, imperfection, but then to all of a sudden switch gears on, on Instagram and be like, like, Oh, look how much I screwed up my, cupcakes last night you know like, right right it's 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 it's, it's That's a hard switch to flip switch to flip. yeah it, it's hard it's hard to flip that in in someone's own mind um it's it's not easily turned off and on and so but if you're able to do that that's what resonates you know and and again that's maybe what i think is good about separating those topics like look here's the things i'm good at here's the things i i can accept the fact that i'm just not good at right and like have some humor, you know, like accept the right. fact that, yeah, you're, you're not good at that. Like if you were good at that, you would be a professional gardener, right? If you were good at that, you would be a professional musician, but like you're learning on the guitar. So, so what, you know? Um, so like definitely lean into that because, uh, you know, people want to relate to people the most, yeah. um, taking you know, oneself too seriously can actually, yeah, be you know, bit. people, people relate to people, you know, people would want to be friends with people that are like them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, 
like that would be like that would be like telling somebody look you're a lawyer you you should only be friends with people who are lawyers yeah <laughs> you know? no thank you. <laughs> you you'd be like what like, no thank you dumb, you know and yeah you know like like I, I'm a geeky SEO guy and I have like zero geeky SEO friends, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but it's the same thing. Like, like I, dude, I'm friends with people who are like me, right? I'm friends with people who like some of the things, some of the same things I like and who have some of the same values that, that I value and have some of the same kind of humor that, that, that I have. Um, so, and that's, that's like the bedrock, right? That's the foundation of building your brand is here's, the different sides of you, right? Because it's not just what this like pretty rosy, you know, perfection seeking athlete. It's, you know, yeah, like we all have bad days, right? And we all vent and we all get frustrated and we all, you know, forget something. We all walk out the door with two different socks on and like, you know, whatever it is, um, it just, it just makes people, it makes you human, right? And people want to connect with humans. They don't want to connect with these, like inanimate, you know, per, per, like seemingly perfect beings that they just can't relate to. Um, so yeah, share that stuff. Um, you know, and I, I see all the time, like, you know, there, there's an athlete, she's a track athlete. Um, it, it's hard for her to make herself vulnerable and she'll come out and say that, you know, she had a post just the other day. She's like, like, you know, this person shared a picture of me and at first it really bothered me, but then the more I thought about it and then she just kind of went off and, you know, she kind of talked, you know, her followers or you, the followers, she talked you through like her processing that, <laughs> like that photo of her with like an angry face. Right. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, share it, you know, and, and just, just make it relatable. And, and that's something also sponsors look for, right. They want, they want people to, you know, they're, they're doing business with people, you know, like that. Yeah. They, they, they look at metrics and they look at their ROI and their spend, but, but they also understand that they're dealing with people. They're not dealing with like some inanimate sales of some product, you know, it's you're a human being. And so, um, you're just like the rest of us, you know, and you have bad days, you have good days, you, you get sick just like the rest of us. And so, uh, yeah, the more, the more you can share about yourself, the better for sure. I love that advice. That's all really good stuff. And it's interesting as I'm listening to all this too, because I've always believed that sport is the microcosm of life. And so much of the lessons that you're teaching us in this context really apply great to everyone who's just doing life in general. <laughs> We're all training for life is what I say. Um, mm. all right, Steve, well, here's where I want to wrap up with you. So it's a tough day to be an athlete right now. We are in this quarantine, shelter at home state. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of sporting events and races and Olympics and everything have either been canceled or postponed. A lot of athletes had just started kind of coming off the off season and working their way into the season. And, um, with respect to this pause that we're all in this reset, what is something positive that you think may come of this situation for our athletes? What do you think will be good from this? Uh, you know, I, I think about on like a societal level, um, I, I, I hope, I, I guess it's my hope. I hope athletes, um, I, and I want this to sound the right way. I don't want it to sound like I'm saying something else or I'm like passively aggressively saying something different. Um, 
but I would hope that us in general as a society, whether you're an athlete or a, an office worker or a janitor or whoever you are, that it just makes us more grateful for yep. things, right? And just more kind and just more understanding, um, you know, because whether you're an athlete or not, whether you like work in an office or you're a sales guy or whatever it is, I, you know, I, I want to say like, we've gotten to a point where like, we just all have short fuses, <laughs> That's you know, true. and, and there's a lack of understanding. Um, a lack you know, of which, even desire which, to understand. Yes. And it's, it's funny, like what pops into my mind now is like when I used to do the social media for USA Cycling, um, or when you do social media as a job, right? Whether it's for Coke or whether it's for this brand or I don't know, whoever else. When you, you when it's your the trolls, job, I suppose. Yeah. Oh man, it oh. is. It's <laughs> tough. Oh, and, I can't imagine. And I mean, you know, like you're a cyclist, you know, like you know the gripes that people have with oh, cycling boy. and with you this event, and that event, right. and oh. this, and it's like, and I, and I, I used to joke with them, look, like man, like when road season was here, like you guys were all happy. And now that cross season is here, everyone's like so angry, like, you know, but like, like, you know, I would tweet something or I would send something out and then just everyone just piles on, you know, and corporations, like they're not going to respond to every single response. And so what's hard about being a social media professional is that you take all of it, right? You take the full brunt of criticism. And there was a lot of times where I'd go home, like, like borderline depressed, you know, just feel like, just have a bad day. And it wasn't against me. Like they don't even know who I am, but the fact nope, that I'm re reading, at you. yeah, you, you know, and you're just this punching bag that, and, and what made it hard, it was because you would put something out and everyone piles on and criticizes it. And because you don't respond to every piece of criticism, you also know that like, look, you guys don't know the whole story, you know, like, like, like for, like for example, okay. Who made the world championship roster in 2015, right? Whether it was for the TT, whether it's for the road race, whether it was, you know, whatever discipline. And it was like, Oh, why didn't that person so make it? And, yep, and, yep. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like people are just crazy. Okay, well, first of all, we asked that guy and he said no, <laughs> right? Like he actually told us, no, I don't want to race, right? But we're not going to say that. Like we're not going to like defend, we don't, like we can't just can't go off stuff. defending no. everything. We can't say right. that. So it's like, okay, well, they don't understand that he said no. That's why we, he's not on this roster. And then all these other reasons, um, it, you know, and so to kind of wrap this up, right? Like, with all this whole virus stuff, it's just, I think it's, I'm hoping it makes us more aware of other people's positions, right? And more considerate of other people. And if people act a certain way, like, you know what? That's fine. Like, don't let it bother you. <laughs> like, don't, don't let it ruin your day, you know? And maybe before like going off and criticizing someone, like maybe try to understand that there's not just, two sides to every story but there's sometimes there's like five sides to a story you know and that's where i would get a lot with usa cycling was like the criticism would come and i'd be like man like like there's a couple guys and gals out there that get it 
And the rest of them just, they see it their way and they see it how they want to see it and it's not the right way. So I'm hoping that, that just with, you know, we're, we're kind of being asked to like be considerate of each other, be respectful of each other. You know, you don't want to pass something on that's going to hurt somebody else. I, I'm hoping that it, it just, it, it helps us be more considerate and more respectful and we're just more grateful um, for each other, you know, and, it's something I tell, I, I would advise to any athlete, you know, because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of athletes that take really hard stances on topics, right? Like sure. they're really, they're really adamant about this topic, whatever, whatever the topic is. And which is fine. Like, like I'm not here to tell you don't do that, but at the same time, like there's a lot of opportunities to, to be like more positive, like be more unifying you know, than trying to like tear somebody down. Um, especially when that topic probably does have five sides to it, <laughs> you know? Yes. So that, again, that that's what I'm like crossing my fingers for is that it, it, in general, we all kind of just chill out <laughs> basically. Amen. And, you know, when it comes to athletes, like you said, like some athletes, they, they have like, it's a pride point, right? Like, Oh, I've, I've done this. I've done that. And whatever. And it's like, look, like, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but you're not as special as you think. Yeah, you know? we're all well, like, we're all in this together, right? We're yeah, you know, we're yeah. I mean, just just be a good person, man. Just be kind, be grateful, be respectful, and like you can never lose. You're right, you can never lose if, if if you go that route. Well, I just finished reading a book that is kind of on point with your statement. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. It's called The Gratitude Diaries, and she just talks about putting it in practice in a really intentional way for a year and how much it changes Mm. relationships and the way she does life and the way that she approaches her work. And um, yeah, I suspect we're all having things taken away from us that we totally took for granted, whether you're an athlete who was counting on races. I had signed up for my first 50K trail run, which was just a total... Um, goal yeah. that I wanted to crush and it was supposed to be May 30th and it's called the Dirty 30 and I've been training for it and it was canceled and I understand why. Um, I'm still training as though I'm doing it and I might just do my own on the treadmill, but um, uh-huh. you know, like we're all missing out on stuff. So you're right. It's really a positive time to just slow down and um, be grateful. And, uh, and I suspect there's a lot of athletes that are probably also getting some rest that they wouldn't normally take to, which won't surprise me if they turn out to have a breakout season or breakout performance after this. Right. Yeah. But Come back we'll see how that all pans out. Well, I want to make sure our listeners can find you. So again, your website is stevebitterbranding.com. And I highly recommend that athletes check you out. It looks like you also do some one-on-one consulting as well as team and organization consulting, which makes total sense that you would take on the entire roster, take on the entire team as, um, as a whole for workshops. So I think this is a brilliant space that you're in. And I thank you for doing this work for our athletes so that they can maximize their own earning potential because yes, it's fun. And yes, it's a sport, but at the same time, it's also a job. And I love the professionalism that you're bringing to this. So, um, thanks for that. And thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Megan. Holy cow. It's such an honor to, to be here. And thank you for, for having me. I really enjoyed right it. On. Yeah, me too. Well, um, have a great day and we will catch up with you soon. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. 
subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.